what that music means actually some of the new folks might know what that might not know what that music means it's celebration music kevin this is our victory song oh yeah i know i know we didn't do it the last game we won but now we're really celebrating we can get a little get a little relief let it play baby ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the dogs of war podcast if you're listening to this day it comes out it is wednesday september 28th you got kevin and raleigh and your Cleveland Browns were victorious last Thursday evening, 29-17 to over at Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we get into all of that, we do got to take a step back for a sec and wish Miles Garrett and his passenger that were in the car wreck yesterday the best of wishes. We're glad everyone is out of the hospital and no serious injuries um, and hope he gets back as soon as possible. It's obviously a hell of a lot more uh, bigger than football. I'm um, glad they're just okay, and we look forward to him uh, getting back to 100% and, and getting healthy. So yeah, I was gonna say, when are we shifting into the uh, the miserable side of why we can't have nice things? Yeah, we got to start start down, then we'll we'll build up and finish right. strong. Before I start ranting, at the end of the day, we're glad he's okay. Like, yeah, no it, doubt. We we don't know if it's if he is truly. Truly, truly uninjured. I think he's. I think it's still being downplayed. Like he could be banged up to a point where he can't play for several weeks, which is the best case scenario. For, I mean, the best case scenario is not. I'm already injured. assuming he's out Sunday. Let's just yeah. keep it a buck now. I, I just out of pure precaution, even we don't know anything about his injuries. We don't have any kind of info on that, but I'm expecting him to not be playing. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is. Whether he's out half a season, whether he's not out, whether he's out for three quarters of the season, he still could not be more lucky, and I'm glad that he's okay. With that being said, what the shit? Like, can we be mad at? I'm mad. Like, I, I don't know what happened if it was a... I'm not buying the deer thing. I don't know if I can say that, but... I, I'm mad. I'm mad at some of the reactions people have been having to this. I, I don't fault – look, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not going to dissect what he was doing. He was driving a Porsche, said he swerved to miss. It was pouring rain. He wasn't, you know, drag racing at 4 in the morning after leaving and being – you know what I'm saying? So this could be a hell of a lot worse. And if you see the car, yeah, it could be a hell of a lot worse. But there's some people coming out, and I'm not even going to repeat or acknowledge them. One uh, current former Cleveland media member, if you can even call it that, some other idiot – I was tweeting them from my personal account, so if you want to go check that out. Uh, but some of the reactions are people were like, well, oh, my God, what about the games? What about the season? It don't matter. Make sure he's all right first. I mean, they didn't have any info yet, and they were like, oh, my God, what if he's out for the whole season? Yeah, I, I kind of waited until it was clear that he's okay. 
and that she was okay and nobody else was hurt before I went into upset mode. Very lucky. Um, very lucky, yes, but also, again, like I'm. I, I want to hear how this plays out. I'm not saying, oh, he's a saying everything's fine. I'm like, dude, I've never been the guy to say you got to pay a ton of money to catch footballs or to make tackles or whatever. Like when that's always annoyed me when people bring that up, like during games, it's like, dude, that guy wanted to catch the football more than you. If they're not putting in the work that would cause them to, you know, underperform whatever. But if they're giving it, they're all, that's all that I can ask. But off field injuries, it's like, dude, you, this isn't just calling in sick at a bar shift. There are millionaires in best. And like, there's a, city invested in you emotionally it's like don't do stupid things that's i think that's fair to say like i'm not here to i've i've never miles bashed before and i feel like a pissed off parent and you're not saying no one's saying he was doing stupid shit it's just obviously with our history with things in this franchise that's our first go-to our initial reaction to be honest Yes, normally I would go right there, but the fact that it was at like three or whatever, in Monday afternoon when they had practice earlier that day or meetings or whatever, I my initial reaction was, oh man, like it was probably just a bad, it could have been just a bad wreck. Um, I didn't think any foul play or anything, he was out or, or you know, anything kind of substance was involved. Thank God. But we got to wait and see. But like, the point of it is they're all right. Thank God. And you know, whenever he gets back, he gets back. But it, it could have been a lot worse, and I'm just uh, – we're all glad and, and fortunate it wasn't. Yeah, get well soon. And if it turns out, it comes back, and he did absolutely nothing wrong, and it could have happened to anything, any of us, I will say, oh, my God, I'm sorry for being upset at all. But I'm just – I find it hard but, to believe. No, and, and that's fair, but I – I don't take. I didn't take that as you being upset or like trying to scold Miles, the 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 person, or the player. It just. Oh, I was scolding. In the, him. Oh, all right. Well, the way I'm. Some of the from anger, a place of love. From a place of love, though. Right, and I, I I understand that, but I think it's just where any I guess anger I have towards the situation is more just on another notch in the belt of unfortunate situations that this franchise has gone through. Um. And no, no one's fault, right? But it just happens. Sometimes it's people's fault, but <laughs> this shit just keeps happening. But, hey, we still got to win Thursday night. We got to win Thursday night. And thank you for trying to bring us back into the positive. I'm going to bring us right back down to the negative. Every time we beat the Steelers, something shitty happens, like, immediately afterwards. 2020, half the team gets COVID the next day. Granted, we won the week after that. 2019, we beat the Steelers, and in the last seconds of the game, Helmet Gate goes down. The current year, 2022, we win, and boom, car accident to the best defensive player this team's ever had. Um, it never ends with the Steelers, does it? Even when they're having a down year, it's still we still find some way to blame something on them, and I'm here for that aspect of it. Yeah, they like hit us from the great. Uh, I got to apologize to. Coach Stefanski, obviously he listens to this podcast daily. Um, I mean, you know, just replays it over and over again. I said he should give up play calling and be the CEO on the sideline. I was last year very against that. Then last, after the Jets game, I said he's got to give it up. After going back and looking at 
the plays he's been dialing up for Jacoby in this offense the last two weeks, he's doing a hell of a job. I mean, and Jacoby is playing so well. Um, I think what I see is it maybe the best QBR through the first three weeks. Don't quote me on that, but he's up there. Um, Jacoby, two touchdown passes. Chubb, one touchdown run. Uh, Denzel fell not fumble at the end for a touchdown. Browns won 29-17. Um, but Njoku, was that? I was getting there. I no, sorry. <laughs> no I, I said, we, we said on this podcast, like, Chief, big year. Let's go, man. It, it's go time. Wow. See, and that's what makes it even more frustrating. We see what he can do out there. He was a monster out there. And my favorite part, he's pretty well-tempered, reserved kind of guy usually. He was getting up, getting at guys' faces. I was all here for it. Yeah. that Big game for the Chief. That was a big game for everybody on that offensive side. Not to take away to the defense. I don't even remember how it went down defensively. I just remember there were good moments oh, we'll get bad there. moments. But that catch that Chief had in the end zone, that was like – it was so quick, diving, final. Like, what a grab. Yep. And he did have a hell of a game. And that one – he had like one – I don't even know if they called it a drop. They made have put it on Jacoby. but. He was there to play, and it was just like the intensity of it. That was his best game of his career, yeah? Absolutely. And talking about Jacoby, I I feel like the impression I'm getting from a lot of people in Browns Nation is that people think there's some, like, ticking time bomb that's about to go off, and then he's just not going to be a good quarterback anymore. Big knock on wood, though, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, of course, always. But let's just stop thinking like that. This is the best team he's ever played on. Stefanski's calling some – dialing up – Great offensive game plan these last couple of weeks. Let's just keep it riding. But I, at the same time, people have to stop with the, well, what if we're, you know, nine and two? Will he take the job? No. Deshaun Watson's our quarterback against the Texans and moving forward when he comes back. So let's just nip that in the bud now. What were you going to say? I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. Nine and two, first off, I think Joe Thomas tweeted this. Great problem to have if they're deciding whether or not they want to bench. Jacoby for Deshaun Watson coming back depending on how those games were won like he with this offense with this offensive scheme whatever it is he's not being asked to do too much and he's making the right throws and he's making the smart throws he's not just throwing ridiculous deep balls and you know hitting guys that are more like the plays where you look at and you're like oh my god how did he do that we have Mahomes whatever he's like a game manager playing at the top of his level. Do you think that's a fair analysis? You're not wrong with that. The only thing that people are, I think, not realizing or forgetting, and to be fair, we haven't seen, no one's seen Deshaun really play for us yet, so there's not a ton of excitement based on you know experience, what they've seen with him, right? The, the thing about Deshaun, though, is Deshaun can make a broken play and turn it around with his legs, right? He can fix the play by himself or Jacoby doesn't really, can't really do that. So I, and again, there's dissenting opinions. Some people thinking that I, I would bet the mortgage, the house, uh, a limb that no matter what, not 10 and one Deshaun's our quarterback for, for week 12. Um, oh, so they got to get, they got to get through the Falcons first. You know, this is going to be a big game. Yeah. Every game's a big game in the NFL. Yeah. It's sick, but also stressful. Can we talk about real quick about being sick? is when Boswell hit that 34-yard field goal with 148 left. 
and then we were only up 23 to 17. Everyone there was like, oh my God in heaven, not again. I have blocked a lot of that game out of my mind. One, I was drinking a lot, so that probably had, uh, I was at a Oh, we went to Brown. We went to the Brown uh, uh, right after that was coming. Yep. I was pacing. I had to walk outside. I'm like, I was just huffing and puffing. I'm like, it's happening again. It's happening again. It's happening again. And somehow that onside kick went out of bounds and somebody lined up offsides anyway, so it didn't really matter. But thank God almighty we batted that one out of bounds this week. Um, shout out Schwartz. Was that a good play by him or a lucky play by him? I don't even know the true analysis of it. We knocked out of bounds. We are we are giving that a, a good play rating, yes. Uh, Chubb, 100, Chubb, 113 yards. He now has the most games of 100-plus yards since 2018 out of any running back in the league. Uh, this is not just homerism. I'm done with the argument, you know, Derrick Henry or Chubb. or that. No, Chubb is the best back in the league. We have the best backfield in the league. I'm knocking out Wood, but I'm just saying that it's time to, to stop kind of scaring away from that. Um, it is what it is. Um, one thing about the defense. Um, Pickens, and I guess really not just so much defense, but their offense. That that catch that Pickens had for Pittsburgh yep. was unbelievable. Yep, that nothing, was, nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. You just tip your hat off, and you're like, oh, of course. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he can make it, and then the Browns still win. That's when you want to see those catches. When somebody makes an amazing catch, and the Browns still win. Oh, absolutely. So. In terms of the injury side, defensive side of the ball, obviously I don't think Miles is playing this week. We don't know any information on that. Um, Ronnie Harrison injured himself in warmups, didn't even play in the Steelers game. Don't know about him yet. Um, Anthony Walker, we lost four guys in the third quarter. Anthony Walker got hurt, now out for the season. That one, I, I feel so bad for Anthony Walker. He's a big-time team leader. He's an animal, green dot. That's going to be uh, – a pretty big loss, not just on the field, but off the field as well. But Jacob Phillips playing his ass off. Uh, that position is in good hands with him out there. Hopefully his upward trajectory keeps going. Hell of a game. Hell of a season so far. Um, need to see him keep improving, which he has been so far. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, that third quarter, the lose four guys. JOK went down. Jed went down. Taven Bryan went down. Obviously, Jed came back in. Um, they said JOK is nothing serious. I haven't seen much on Taven Bryan yet. But if you listen to the pregame episode on Friday, brought to you by Dogs War Podcast, you'll get the full injury report, of course, like every week. But, hey, um, right now, Pro Football Focus came out today. Wyatt Teller is the highest-rated guard so far this season. Chubb is the highest-rated running back so far this season. No surprises there. Um, yeah, so now we got a bit of a waiting game the next few days. we got to see what comes out with the injury reports, what comes out with Miles. But as we'll talk about in our upcoming interview here in the next segment, I think this is a trap game. Some people yeah. are going to say you're an idiot, they're the Falcons, but hey, FYI, Cleveland fans, let's not forget, which I didn't really think about till now, uh, if not definitely one, the most easiest schedule in the NFL has been the Cleveland Browns so far this year. We've played no one. Um, Atlanta Falcons, yeah, they're one and two, as you'll hear again. They've only lost those two games by a combined like five points. Um, they got some dogs on that offensive side. Mariota is... He's not a pro bowler. He's on MVP, but that dude can still ball out a little bit. So I don't know, but we'll get into it in the next segment. You got anything else to add on the uh, Steelers-Browns game? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fair assessment. And I'm also like, 
I don't care. There's no such thing as a layup win in the NFL. Every time we play the Jets in the past two, three years, guess what? The Browns have lost to the Jets. It's any given Sunday. Anything can happen. Trap game. Every game in the NFL that the Browns are expected to win, that is a trap game. So let's uh, bring it back to negative. That hopefully counter jinxes us into a win. And did you see any major improvements on defense? Like between the the communication and the secondary? Actually, not to ignore that question. They're still obviously a hell of a lot better. Um, then, I mean, there's no broken, big broken coverages, no big ass yeah. broken plays the first two games. So, yes, in that sense, improvement. What we do need to quickly uh, acknowledge is the not so special teams. Uh. I know Cade's a rookie, and I'm not. I'm not mad at Cade. I'm not holding against him. I think he's still our dude for a long time. That guy has a leg, and we would not have won the first game without him. Missing two extra points two weeks in a row, uh, that's tough. And I don't know, man. I just I think right now that's just a very, very, very difficult, uncomfortable room in that building in Berea right now. I think uh, the franchise did that to him just by screaming, we have a franchise kicker, we have a franchise kicker. Like, what a stupid thing for all of us to yell, even if it's true. It's like rule number one. That's like the equivalent of a guy throwing, striking three batters out in the first inning, and then the teammates being like, guess what? You got a perfect game going. Like, you just don't do that. And they did it. I think it's a little bit mental, which I think, and to his credit, he bounced back and he had a big field goal following that mixed PAT. Did he not? Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm looking at. That took balls. And special teams, it's like, Cade York, it's like, Cade York is Cade York, but the other special teams, I'm like, holy shit. Every time there's a punt, every time the special teams take the field, you're like, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. Please don't let something catastrophic happen. And uh, fire Mike, what's his name? That's all I got. We are, this podcast is not condone the encouragement of firing coaches but yes i i understand what you are saying there and i internally at least that guy has to be on the hot seat prefer man we're begging you come on um the browns travel down to hotlanta this sunday to take on the falcons marcus mariota um and to get us there we bring on aaron freeman who's the host of the lockdown falcons podcast also writes for the falcoholic which is sb nation's falcon site to transition us to that interview We'll be with the help of Mr. Jermaine Dupree and Ludacris. Here we go. Welcome to Atlanta, jacking hammers and bows. Back to the mackin' and jacking the clothes. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest to the Dogs of War podcast, Mr. Aaron Freeman. Aaron hosts the Locked On Falcons podcast which you can find on all podcast platforms. He's also a writer for the Falcoholic, which is SP Nation's Atlanta Falcons website. Aaron, sir, how are we doing? And thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, having a good day. Just finished watching the All-22 from the Falcons-Seahawks game, so I'm ready to build off some takes off of that game into this week uh, four matchup with the Browns. 
And coming off a victory as well, I think it's it's probably safe to say a pretty rare occurrence when both the Browns and Falcons win uh, in the same week. But here we are victorious, you guys against the Seahawks, us against the Steelers, uh, and looking forward to a week four matchup here on Sunday down in the ATL. Absolutely. I know you guys are big coming off that big rivalry win against the Steelers. I, I think Cleveland's always a rocking three anytime they beat Pittsburgh, right? It's happened like four times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's a rare occurrence, Aaron. But when it happens, especially on Thursday night primetime football, we will take it. I want to rewind before we get into this game back to March. The Falcons were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes along with the Browns. We are not going to talk about Deshaun Watson today because we are going to enjoy this eleven week uh, after having to talk about it and think about it all summer long. But in the midst of all of that, you guys ended up trading franchise cornerstone quarterback been there 50 years Matt Ryan traded him to the Colts and then you guys signed Marcus Mariota remember it's not Mariota we were I was just corrected and he's been your quarterback for this year obviously can you talk about what it was like when you guys traded Matt Ryan um, and then what that did for expectations coming into this season with Mariota as your new quarterback Mariota see <laughs> the guy yeah. spells it with an A <laughs> So, yeah, with the whole Matt Ryan thing, obviously the Falcons jumping into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes was just sort of coming out of nowhere. But I'm sure you guys can relate to that somewhat. Um, And it led to the Falcons basically selling Matt Ryan for pennies on the dollar, which was more the thing that upset me more than the Falcons moving on from Matt Ryan. It it felt like that move was inevitable. We were just inching towards the day. I didn't think it was going to happen this past offseason, but I thought he might get one more year and then the Falcons would move on from him. Um, but it, it did feel like, you know, the, the the we were getting to the end of that leash with Matt Ryan, given his contract situation. And now we bring in Marcus Mariota. Everybody looks at him as a bridge quarterback. I look at him as a bridge quarterback. And you're just wondering, okay, how long is Mariota going to start this season before the Falcons, you know, toss the keys over to their third round draft pick and Desmond Ritter. And they need to kind of see what Ritter has before they go into next off season, potentially with a high round draft pick to, to take uh, another quarterback at the top of next year's draft, uh, if possible. Um, and then you, you get probably better play from Mariota in these first couple of weeks than I think a lot of people were expecting. I think a lot of people went into the season you know, thinking Mariota was going to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. We've gotten solid play from him. It's been a, a little up and down just because there's been some very untimely turnovers these first couple of games where it seems like every time in the fourth quarter there's a fumble or there's an interception that Mariota uh, seems to give away that just comes out of nowhere. Um, but outside of that, he's been solid, uh, particularly with the Falcons' focus on the play-action passing game. And now coming off of this win, you know, there was a lot of talk a week ago uh, about sort of that ticking clock on, okay, if, if Mario doesn't clean some of these things up and the Falcons don't start winning games, are we going to see Ritter a lot earlier in the season than uh, I think a lot of people were expecting? Me personally, I was figuring like maybe November we would see Ritter. But uh, I think coming off of this win, um, you know, that's going to buy Mariota some more time here, and we'll just sort of see if he can build off of that against Cleveland this week and then in the following weeks as well. Uh, so it, the, the Falcons quarterback situation is, is basically to summarize, it's, it's very much in flux, but so far so good. We, what little we've seen from Ritter this summer is look promising. What little we've seen from Mariota has looked decent to promising. 
And uh, certainly Matt Ryan has not made anybody miss him based off of how the Colts have started this season. So I, I think right now things are pointing up for the Falcons. Is that amicable? Was Matt Ryan being traded? I, mean, I don't think he said anything bad on his way out. I don't think it was all love. Am I wrong? From his side. For, for Atlanta fans. Atlanta fans. Uh, I think Falcon fans are pretty torn on it. There were some people, you know, I, I know some people that were like, I'm done rooting for this team because they got rid of Matt Ryan. I also know uh, people that were, you know, jumping for joy that they got rid of Matt Ryan. So you know how it is with the quarterback. Uh, you know, I know I'm not oh, taking we, shots. We sure do. Yeah. No, 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 none <laughs> take it. None, none take it. We know. We know. Years, and yeah. I'm sure all of them have been very polarizing among the fan base. So that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but I, I think there was more love towards Matt Ryan than hate. Um, and I, I think most Falcon fans were sad to see him go. So Marcus Mariota, Mariota has been playing just fine, as you said. He's also got some pretty fun weapons at his disposal. Can you talk about Cordero Patterson, who's currently right now third in the league in rushing, has already had career high in two games this season. Uh, he's, uh, simply put, a bad, bad man. Yeah, I think Patterson's really, when you when you dig in deep with the Falcons' success this year, particularly on offense, it's really the Cordero Patterson show. Um, he's really sort of the the guy that's at the core foundation of their success. That's really been the biggest improvement to this team uh, from a year ago when Matt Ryan was running things like they just couldn't run the football at all. Um, and now they can obviously from the stats you show and particularly on Sunday against Seattle, like he came up big in the second half because Mariota made a couple of mistakes. He threw an interception at the end of the half. And I think the Falcons were like, okay, we're not going to ask him to go out there and win this game with his arm. And so let's just feed, Cordero and he he popped off a couple of big runs. He's had two career high games uh, in the first three weeks of this season to start things off. And he's been kind of their go-to guy. He's been running hard. He was just dominating the saints in that game, being a punishing runner uh, that I'm sure you guys are used to seeing with Nick Chubb and in the AFC with guys like Derek Henry and whatnot. And so he was, he was doing his best impression of those guys uh, in these first couple of games. So he's really been kind of the secret sauce. If, if, if Cleveland wants to really enhance their chances of winning this football game. They're going to have to find a way to stop him. And few teams thus far this season have had a lot of success doing so. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on Drake London and Kyle Pitts? I mean, they're both young, seemingly promising receivers. I was pretty big on uh, Drake That's London. And the, uh, my bad. Uh, I was pretty big on London in the draft just because the Ohio State the big three or big two wide receivers or whatever being at Ohio state and thriving at Ohio state. I don't think that speaks as high of volume as somebody that's very productive at a lesser school I'm calling USC a lesser school. What's up? Um, but how's he been? I, I've just been kind of fascinated with him and hope he does well, not this Sunday, but in general, just to prove that I called it. I, I know that feeling. Like you, you root for the guy, but not not this Sunday. Right? It's just because uh, I want to be right. I just want to be right. And also, you weren't wrong. I just squeaked too. Kyle Pitts has been receiving a lot this year. I'm just saying he's a tight end. But continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So with, with Drake London, he's lived up to all the billing as basically being the the first wide receiver off the board. He's looked like a, a number one wide receiver. He's been the Falcons' most reliable weapon. 
uh, in the offense. He's been valuable in the red zone. He's been able to generate explosive plays um, and shown a lot more route running ability than I think a lot of people gave him credit. Like the, the book on Drake London was, okay, he's kind of slow, but he's big and he can win in contested catch situations. And he's done a really good job creating separation through these first three games. And I was particularly impressed with him going up against Marshawn Lattimore in week one. Uh, Lattimore is a corner that is known for his physicality, is known for shutting down bigger wide receivers like Mac Evans you've seen throughout his career. And my biggest concern about Drake London going into the season was, okay, like being more physically dominant against these Pac-12 corners is one thing. What are you going to do against some of the top, you know, corners in the NFL? And, and so far, starting at that week one game against the Saints, I thought Drake London has passed that test with flying colors. Um, and so he's been a revelation and then when you look at Kyle Pitts, I know there's been a lot of talk about Kyle Pitts and his usage, particularly among fantasy football fans, and they were very disappointed with him in the first two weeks. I know Falcon fans were very disappointed that he was only getting a handful of targets and only two catches for 19 yards in those first two games. You know, he obviously had a big breakout game last week with five catches and over 80 yards receiving. He still haven't figured out a way to get him the ball in the red zone. Hopefully that changes against Cleveland. Um, you know, the, it's not from a lack of trying for the Falcons. They just haven't been able to connect with him. They have been certainly scheming up plays to try to get him the ball in the red zone, but because of various factors uh, that I'm sure you guys are aware of, you know, it just doesn't break their way. So hopefully they get their breakthrough performance, at least from my perspective this weekend against Cleveland it, with Kyle Pitts in the red zone. But obviously, you know, he has been, from my perspective, I won't say everything we wanted him to be because again, we're still looking for that red zone value. Uh, but in terms of being that dynamic mismatch guy that can play all over the field, you know, he's going to create headaches for defenses. He's going to draw a lot of the attention for defense. I know specifically against the Seattle game, like a lot of the reason why they couldn't get in the ball of red zone was because the one time they drew up a play for him and the defender held him and basically otherwise he would have been wide open without that penalty. And that would have been a touchdown. And then the other play, they doubled him um, in that situation. And the safety basically bailed on his coverage just to cover Kyle Pitts crossing over the middle of the field. Uh, and so they couldn't get him the ball in that situation. So he's he's certainly a guy that's going to draw a lot of the attention, even if maybe his uh, box score numbers aren't quite what people think they are. But he is certainly having an impact on the field and, and freeing up opportunities for players like Drake London and others to make plays. So Atlanta has some of my favorite rappers of all time. I think that's a common theme for a lot of people who listen to rap music. Uh, so I've been listening to that all week, getting pumped up. Shout out Lil Scrappy. Been blessing him all day today. Uh, speaking of trap music in Atlanta, I feel like your, your record right now, one and two, is a trap record. Great comparison by me. Week one, you guys lost to the Saints by one point. Week two, you lost to the Rams by four points. Um, so you guys could just as easily be three and zero as you are one and two, um, and then now with uh, with Cordell Patterson having career highs with your O line that's been banged up, um, I, what, what has it been like? You know, just seeing this one and two and thinking, wow, we really could be three and zero. Are you guys looking at it like that, or, or what's that been like losing by you know five combined points here? I I, I think for me, I don't necessarily look at it as oh, they could be easily three and zero. Obviously a couple of breaks go their way or don't go against them. They certainly could be looking at that situation. I think the big thing for me, especially when you compare this year's team versus last year's team was last year's team, all their wins came against really bad teams. And anytime they played a team that had 
any semblance of a playoff caliber team, they basically got the doors blown off of them. They weren't competitive in those games. And so seeing them come out of the gates against the Saints, a team that most people think are, is going to be a playoff team this year, and to basically outplay the Saints for the first three quarters. And then, of course, you know, the Falcons' history with fourth quarter collapses is, is pretty ugly. Uh, and so that reared its ugly head again. But it was it was nice to see this team step up and, and play really good football for the first three quarters. And then following up that week against the Rams, you know, a, a, the defending Super Bowl champs uh, and another team that, you know, people want to see if they can make it back uh, that far, you know, they, they fell into a big hole in the first three quarters. They fell into a 28 to three hole at one point in the first three quarters. And they were able to come back in that game and, and make it really close and let that game come down basically to the last play uh, to have a chance to win it. And that showed a level of competitiveness and toughness that this team hadn't shown in recent years. And, you know, they came that close, this close to getting that 28 to three monkey off their back uh, to be able to, uh, get a comeback win in that fashion. Um, and then you had a, a solid game against Seattle. So for me, I look at it not as, Hey, they, they could be three and no. I look at it as this is indicators of a big improvement for this football team because they're actually being competitive against playoff teams. And that's what you want to see. Like, I don't think many people expect this Falcon team to make the playoffs themselves. I don't expect them. Now, maybe if they can, you know, get a win here against Cleveland and then, you know, rack up a win in the following couple of weeks against some quality opponents like Tampa Bay or San Francisco or Cincinnati, then we might be talking uh, and having a different conversation about that. But um, for me, the main thing I wanted to see was this team actually be competitive so that I'm not sitting there every Sunday for three hours bored out of my mind watching a bad football team. You know, at the end of the day, this sport is really about entertainment, right? And so you want to be entertained and to know that your team is going to play down to the wire you know, it gives me a level of uh, high blood pressure that I don't want. But, you know, when they're playing teams that you know are better than them and they're playing those teams down to the wire, that's something that I do enjoy. You came to the right podcast. Aaron, your take, temperament, everything, analysis. Been there. Totally spot on, <laughs> and I respect it. Like, what? Been there. You just have a fantastic mentality across the board. I'm not saying, I'm like, I respect that. I wish I had that. We've been there. Our, our fan base wants a Super Bowl. Dude, we were calling Super Bowl like 0-16 year. But um, I got to ask this, and feel free to cut it if it doesn't flow well or if it's too tough of a memory. 28-3 to is nothing that I would wish upon anyone, and I've also never experienced it, knock on wood. But my biggest fear is the Browns go to the Super Bowl and lose on some type of heartbreaking situation. Can you give us a brief rundown of that nightmare? And I'm sorry to bring it up, but I have to ask it. Our friends, our fan base would appreciate it. We're not talking well, shit all, here. All we know is pain. That's why. we All we know well, is pain. Th- this is one of the few fan bases that can relate to the misery, right? Mm-hmm. Of Of, you know, there's very few instances where I can go on another person's podcast and, and not be the most miserable <laughs> fan. <out there. laughs> I said you're on the right pod. You're yeah. on the right pod. So, like, you know, it was the, the thing I said, it was the most Falcon way to lose a Super Bowl, right? To just have it in the palm of your hands. That was their year. They were this unstoppable offensive juggernaut. And the, the thing that you had your main concern about was could this defense hold up? And the fact that they were able to keep the Patriots down for, you know, two and a half quarters, 
you were like, oh, they're they're actually doing it. They're doing the thing. Like I, I thought the Falcons would win that game, but I thought it would be sort of a close back and forth sort of shootout type of game. And for them to sort of dominate that game to the degree that they did was such a breath of fresh air. And if you go back in time and see me in the third quarter being like, oh man, this is so wonderful. And I've been waiting my entire life, you know, all, all those feelings. And then to just watch that slowly unravel over the course of the evening. And, you know, it ended in the way that it did. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like now, like you, you hear the 28 to three things and like, you're just like, here we go again. You know, it's like, you're, you're never really over it, but like you're, you're, you're kind of over it. And it's like when, when someone wants to talk trash to your team, like, Oh, 28 to three, like, okay. Like, can you come up with some new material? That's not five years old. Like we got it in 2017. We got it in 2018, but now it's just like, okay, like really, this is the best you can come up with. Like there's so many things that you can dunk on the Falcons for. That Plus it's just super mean. <laughs> and so like, you know, at this point in time, it's just like, you, you just, you're just waiting for this team to redeem itself. Right. And it's just like, how long do you, do you wait? And like, I'm at a point now, you know, approaching the age of 40 where I, I'm at peace with the idea that it may take a long time. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, it was, it was tough to deal with. And so like, if this team is rebuilding for the next five years and, you know, we go another decade or so uh, or longer, but, but before this team is back into, you know, playoff contention and Super Bowl condition, I've made peace with that idea um but it's just one of those things where you just kind of have to learn to live with it and just hope that at some point like it, it becomes you know too low hanging a fruit that people won't even pick at that scab and similar like we have the Cavs, you guys have that braves world series as a sweater to keep you warm for a while george is good yeah the braves are good the, the uga good. yeah yeah so it, it's one of those things where it's like there's a long running joke where it's like, if the Falcons win, then it means bad news for other local teams. And when the other local teams win, like it, they can't all be good at the same time, right? Like it's just like, whatever that meter is for the Falcons, you know, if it goes up, then the other teams go down and all these various things. So, um, yeah, I it's, appreciate it's that. fine. It's, it's, I- it's fine plenty time to be a Atlanta sports fan. Uh, just may not be the, the greatest time to be an Atlanta Falcons fan. Sorry, I appreciate that breakdown. I feel like I just asked a non-veteran about like the worst parts of combat. Thanks, man. <laughs> so you said you guys have been competitive this year. That's what you wanted to see, and you have been competitive. To be competitive, that takes good offense and defense, obviously. We've talked about your offense. Who are we going to see on the de- defensive side of the ball? Who's been showing up this year, and who should we expect to see, or who are you guys counting on Sunday against our rush attack, our O-line? Yeah, the, the Falcons' run defense hasn't been great this year, so I'm hoping that they get their act together. It's going to be tall order to ask them to get their act together against the, the league's best rushing attack, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, the main thing for this team, I think, is is in terms of playmakers, Grady Jarrett has been outstanding this year, a disruptive force. I, I love the fact that the Falcons are sort of trying to switch things up with him and, and playing him at nose tackle a little bit more to get him those one-on-ones against centers that just can't handle him rather than asking him to play more of that three technique. Uh, and that's been working for him to be more of that disruptive playmaker that we know he is. The uh, other main playmaker to keep an eye on is A.J. Terrell. 
and who had two kind of rough weeks in week one and two, sort of going up against guys like Allen Robinson and Michael Thomas and giving up some touchdowns. And this past week against Seattle, he was asked to shadow DK Metcalf and basically kept Metcalf in check for pretty much the entirety of the game. Certainly in man coverage, he, he did give up some completions there in, in zone coverage. Uh, but, you know, it looks like he's getting back into the form that he was for most of last year which was one of the best cornerbacks in the league after a, a pretty rough start in weeks one and two. So that's the thing to keep an eye on. And we'll probably see a lot of him versus Amari Cooper um, this week. Um, but outside of that, the Falcons don't have any stars or anything like that. Just a bunch of like solid young players. Richie Grant had a big interception to cap off the Seahawks game. And he, that was his best game of the season. Michael Walker is kind of their new young guy at the linebacker position. He's been, you know, solid uh, for the most part this year. Their veteran cornerback, Casey Hayward, uh, was signed to basically solidify that spot because last year Terrell was so good that teams were just throwing at the other cornerback and Fabian Moreau is now with the Giants. Um, And, you know, Hayward hasn't quite been living up to his usual billing as one of the the league's better corners, uh, but hopefully he'll start, you know, looking more like that guy uh, in the coming weeks and that can certainly start uh, against Cleveland. So those are the main guys to keep an eye on. Lorenzo Carter uh, is their primary edge rusher. He's been solid. Um, and they have a young player in Arnold Epichetti uh, who had a, a sack in week one, but has been relatively quiet these last two weeks. But, you know, with rookies, uh, they're, they're, you know, not everybody has Miles Garrett or anything like that. So, you know, most of these guys are pretty hot and cold early in their careers. Um, so hopefully he'll be more hot moving forward than he uh, has been. Yeah, I uh gonna highly doubt Miles plays. Clowney's out. Our linebackers are all hurt. Uh let's see our safety was hurt in warm up. So Which one? it might be a very Ronnie Harrison injured his groin in warm ups, didn't play against the Steelers. So regardless, it could be a very, very interesting game. That's why I said trap schedule, trap game. But when most franchises and teams trade away a cornerstone franchise quarterback, obviously everyone thinks rebuild, right? I don't know what the opinion or the vibes are down in, in Atlanta, but with the pieces you guys have on that offense, even some of the defense too, with Drake London, with Kyle Pitts, with Mariota is not a complete – I mean, he's not a scrub. You know, you guys have uh, – you're building a very strong foundation to, to be there for a long time, No. Yeah, I mean, that was my main sort of perspective on the season. It's it's not about, you know, winning 10 games or, or whatever. It's about checking boxes. Like how many of these young pieces that they've drafted over the last couple of years are pieces that they can build around so that in potentially two or three years when they do have a playoff caliber roster, um, you know, those players are going to be contributing at that point in time. And, you know, we, we had high hopes for guys like Pitts and Terrell and, and London, these first round picks, but it was like, who are the second rounders? Who are the third rounders? Who are those fourth, those day three guys that are going to step up? And and some of those guys like Richie Grant and Walker and, uh, you know, Tyler Algiers coming on strong as that RB2 uh, behind Cordero Patterson. So like it, things are going in the right direction for this football team. And so that's kind of the perspective I'm keeping. And if they win some games along the way, then, you know, no one's going to complain about that. Right. Real quick, uh, you mentioned that uh, they when they gave up Ryan, they gave him up for pennies. I have no idea what that exchange was. Can you tell the listeners what they got in exchange for Ryan? A third round pick. Yeah, that's say that's pennies. It was, it was a tough pill to swallow when you see Carson Wentz going for two third round picks, and you're like, "Come on, we can't get more than what." The, the <laughs> yeah, I think they're regretting Wentz. that one for sure. 
Um, do you do, uh, Aaron, we always love to, to do predictions. Do you do score predictions or is that some people are like anti, like, you know, taboo and stuff. Do, will you, can you give a prediction for Sunday? Yeah. You know, going into the season, I, I felt like this would be a win for the Falcons and, you know, we're, we're still early in the week, so I, I may feel differently by the end of the week, but, uh, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth, um, but I'll stick to my guns. Um, and I'll say it's probably going to be a close game. It'll probably be like a 23-20 win for the Falcons. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think it will be a competitive game that goes down to the final position. I'm with you, and I was going to say 21-20 Browns. I think it's, it's just one of those coin flip trap games for either team because I just think right now with – and I don't know what our injuries are looking like. We're still waiting to hear back from a bunch of guys, particularly Miles, over the next few days. But with – you guys haven't had a healthy old line until this coming week, but – uh, Cordero's still been running his butt off, even with uh, you know a couple backup alignment in there. So now that you guys are full strength. Who knows what that's going to look like with our defensive injuries? Um, you know, we're just now getting our getting our pass game figured out. You know, week by week. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But um, Aaron Freeman, sir, thank you very much for joining us again. Really appreciate your time. I'll have all Aaron's contact info uh, in the description here, but he is a host of the Lockdown Falcons podcast, writer for the Falcoholic, great name, uh, which is SB Nation's Falcon site. Sir, appreciate it very much again, and uh, hoping for a good, easy, healthy game for both teams on Sunday. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me, you know, minus bringing up the 28-3 to stuff. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, what, a nice, what a nice host. <laughs> I feel like an <laughs> asshole. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've never asked that to a Falcons it. fan. You- I get it. Look, I do we do these we do these crossovers on locked on right where each week we you know I'll talk to locked on browns guys later this week and every week for like 4 years running it's been like hey can i ask you about the 20 the 3 and like sure i guess so i'm used to it at this well, point well cuz that's what when we when we watched this happen every browns fan in the world said oh my god that is what could happen to the Browns. If it, I mean, we've never been to Super Bowl, but we saw that. We're like, that is the most Browns thing we've ever seen happen to another team. So we were asking out of a place of just pure fascination and, uh, you know, fellow misery. Yeah. Look, look, I, I, I didn't take, I won't take it personal because it is coming from Browns fans. So it was not it, meant to be. Yeah. It, it's a place of curiosity as opposed to. <laughs> yeah. Wait, real quick, where you said that the locked on guys, they ask you about it. Is it the Browns fan, the Browns podcast specifically asked you about it or everyone asked you? It's just pretty much everyone. I, I don't, okay. I don't know. If okay. The Browns guys asked me about it. And <laughs> funnier if it were only the Browns guys. But, <laughs> it's, yeah. Everyone brings it up at some point. I'm like, okay, like, I, I guess. Eventually, I have to make all the rounds with all the locked-on hosts before they stop asking. They, everybody's got to ask it once, right? Absolutely. Well, everyone traveling down to Atlanta for the game from Cleveland, uh, be careful. No Magic City, okay, until afterwards. Um, that's on the bucket list for sure. Uh, for Aaron, for Raleigh, for myself, thank you for listening to the Dogs of War podcast. We'll be back on Friday for the pregame episode, and good night, Cleveland.